This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to the Inspirational, Informational, and Transparent Aviation Careers Podcast. Today, we have a special guest who will attempt to answer the question, is gender still holding women back in the aviation industry? Uh, but before we begin, a few announcements. If you have any questions, comments, inspirational stories, or announcements, please write us at feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. If you have a special story about your aviation career that would inspire others, or you want to share your career in aerospace, or have other information you feel would help our listeners, please consider becoming a guest on the show. Click on the guest tab in the show notes, or on the right side of the screen, it says how to be a guest on Aviation Careers Podcast. Also, don't forget, we have the scholarships guide. It's only $10 for year access, and we update it every month. As a matter of fact, the new update just came out, the January update. There's 36 new scholarships and four updates. You can find it, too, by going to the website, aerospacescholarships.com, or simply Aviation Careers Podcast. Dot com and clicking on the scholarships there. Well, today, again, like I said, we have a special guest, Arpad Sakal from London, UK. Arpad's an aviation attorney, and he, he leads the aviation aerospace practice at a private executive search firm, an assessment firm based in London, UK. They advise on organizational issues such as leadership and board assessment, succession planning, Organizational Culture Shaping, Diversity, Inclusion, Strategy. Our podcast conducts senior level engagements for clients globally across the aviation and wider transportation and infrastructure sectors. He advises international clients on senior level succession plans in all aspects of diversity, inclusion, and employment engagement. You know, prior to his career in executive search, Arpad worked as an aviation department of two leading international law firms in London, where he handled various EU regulatory matters, including passenger rights. Arpad regularly speaks on events and conferences on a host of diversity inclusion topics, including unconscious bias and gender equality. He's an active member of the Aviation Club of the UK, the Royal Aeronautical Society, and the Air League. His article, Is Gender Still Holding Women Back in the Aviation Industry?, was recently published in the official magazine of the Royal Aeronautical Society, Aerospace it's called, and forms the basis of our discussion today. Arpod is also a glider pilot and flies whenever weather permits. Arpod, hey, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on. Great to be on the show, Carl. Thank you. You know, uh, I, I'm so glad you reached out because this is you know a topic that's near and dear to my heart, uh, having been very involved with a lot of folks from many different uh, backgrounds. And you know, as far as gender is concerned, one of the things that I guess it comes from my background, and, and you're probably going to comment on this. From my own personal background, I don't have as much of, a, I think, a bias as most because my mom was my actual baseball coach as a, at a young age, and my mom was very successful. And my background is such that I never looked at at women as having any uh, any differences in anything that they could do. So that's how it formed my background. And as I progressed in my life, when I became a flight instructor, I wound up getting all these female students. And it was interesting because I didn't treat them any different than anybody else because 
I never understood this, this whole gender bias because it wasn't in my DNA. And I think that's a big part of it with a lot of us is that we do have biases. Mine was on the opposite end, having such a strong mother that was very much involved. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, but just to give people a little background on me. And, and, it, and I tell you what, I am so excited because there are so many more people moving into the industry, but we want to kind of you know figure out, is there is there a difference there today and uh, as far as gender is concerned in the C-suite and all the other jobs in aviation, and then what we can do to change that. But but uh, anyway, so tell us a little bit about yourself. You were an attorney, and now you do executive search. So what? why the shift? Yeah, long, uh, long story short, um, indeed, I uh, studied aviation law at, uh, at a master's level. Uh, I went to uh, the University of Leiden, which is uh, one of those few um, institutions in the world where you can uh, study the subject, um, aviation law and the, and the regulation surrounding uh, the aviation industry. Um, went into it and uh, came to London um, to work at a, an aviation-specific um, or focused uh, law firm called uh, Stewart's Law, which was um, uh, predominantly handling the aftermath of major uh, commercial airline crashes, so personal injury, long, wrongful death, uh, very much on the on the um, claimant side, enjoyed it, um, got experience in it, and and my my only issue was that it was constantly about death and and uh, dealing with people basically who were ninety um, percent burnt, and it was just a, a constantly bad mood, um, and and that's why I really tried to. Um, get into the other like the the commercial side of of the industry and um, joined another firm where i was uh, predominantly handling eu uh, aviation regulatory uh, matters uh, things around cancellations denied boarding uh, and other operational um, issues at airports mainly small claims but it got me out of the the um personal injury um, sort of field, enjoyed it more. And that was a contract, um, and it was for a year. The contract came to an end. Uh, my contacts at the firm put me in touch with a legal recruiter with obviously the aim of um, me getting another long-term legal uh, job uh, at another law firm. Well, that didn't happen. They couldn't help me. They asked me if um, I ever thought about recruitment or, or um, joining them. And then I said, well, at the moment, I don't really have any other options. Uh, let's give it a go. And um, joined them. Turned out to be an enjoyable experience. Turned out to be something that I'm good at. And um, stick to it. It was it was contingency uh, recruitment, uh, Carl, which um, maybe it's worth explaining to the, to the, to the um, listeners. Um, there is a big difference between contingency recruitment and, and executive search. Contingency is the space where you're very heavily on the, on the um, candidate side. So basically, you're in the business of uh, trying to get candidates a job, and you only get paid once that happens. But when it comes to search, it's more strategic. It's very heavily client-driven, and you are there to fill roles for a uh, specific organization. So you're working on search mandates, basically. And um, you're only speaking to uh, identifying the very best people um, who could potentially um, do that job. So uh, yeah, that's uh, that's my story. It's basically from aviation law to um, aviation search, basically. 
So one of the things we're happy about is that you did this because it seems like you're happier, first of all. Of course, that's important. Um, and, and I think you're making a difference, too, as is witnessed here in your article and, and the different speaking you do. Um, and one of the things, obviously, we're going to talk about is your article. But I guess before we talk about diversity and gender diversity in aviation and aerospace, uh, sometimes we need to step back a little bit and say, hey, is there a quote-unquote problem? Is there an issue? Is there, um, is there diversity in the environment? So let's talk a little bit there. What is the state of gender diversity right now in, in both the aviation and aerospace industry? Basically, this is a very hot topic because um, you only have to look at the, um, the annual IATA uh, board uh, photo. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, every year they publish it in uh, publications like Airline Business and, um, and others. And uh, it's very clear that there's a, a stereotype, basically the, the, um, the wide middle-aged uh, man as airline CEO. And there are very few exceptions um, to, this, to this rule. Um, Interestingly, um, it's, it's um, in the U.S. Basically, the women only make up um, a woeful five percent of commercial pilot positions. Worldwide, it's um, just one percent who um, who are captains. And when it comes to top airline executive jobs, it's only about three percent that are are um, female. So it's, I think, some of the issues are that. Obviously, um, stereotypes exist. There is a bias, uh, whether it's conscious or or unconscious uh, bias, and those are really difficult to um, to tackle because, yeah, it's it's just just like uh, other more traditional interest industries like construction, infrastructure, um, heavy industries, mining. I mean, there there is a tendency to really look within. Um, the sector and only hire people who were previously in senior technical or um, operational roles within airlines or airports. And that's exactly where you won't find too many females because they are just not exactly advertised at school level or or, um, university level. And they don't tend to go into um, those kind of uh, roles. Having said that, when, when it comes to the pilot side or the flying um, personnel side of things, Boeing uh, forecasts that the, the industry will need well over 800,000 civil aviation pilots and around 750,000 maintenance technicians, another male-dominated uh, profession, and by 2030. So it will be interesting to see uh, how many of those positions will be filled by, uh, by women. Well, I think it'll have to because that's that's a large number, obviously. But it's fascinating what you said about the you know the internal uh, role models, uh, female role models, and you know you're talking about stereotypes, et cetera. And sometimes it's unconscious. Like I used that example of myself in the beginning that I didn't really have that that type of stereotype, but we have that both personal and also institutionally. Um, but it, one of the things that what I always struggle with this, and I, I think I know the answer to this sometimes, is you know how do we do? How do we change things? You know what? How do we advance women within uh, organizations, and we change that tide? Because I think we are, uh, but it, I think it has to be accelerated. Yeah, 
Indeed, indeed. And, and I think one of the major issues um, that were identified by uh, female leaders that I interviewed for this particular piece is, is really the lack of internal and or external uh, female role models, basically, within the organization. Someone they can look up to and see that they can really progress uh, through the organization. Someone who can mentor them, whether it's peer-to-peer mentoring um, or support networks. Um, basically, they... Most um, uh, organizations don't um, actively promote or prioritize um, diversity, really. And unless it's um, driven from the top, uh, sort of board level, C-level, um, it's unlikely to change, really, because um, it really needs to be embedded um, within the organization, um, needs to really get the buy-in from the, from the leadership in order to really um, for it to happen really at uh, at every single level. So within the organization it makes sense but how about um some of those I'm assuming externalities or, or some of those different organizations that are exterior to the say the organization that you're within but also may have influence. I mean I would think that those might be a really good influence and also a way to project more uh, females in the roles of some of these positions. Yeah, indeed. I mean, when it comes to the role of search firms and 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 really ways to embrace and um, and embed diversity and inclusion in hiring, I mean, search firms obviously have a very important role to play in helping clients build um, diverse uh, leadership teams. I mean, when looking to bring in female talent, again, airlines, airports, they tend to look within and they tend to be quite traditional and and risk averse and. I think search firms, or at least what I've learned from um, uh, people within the industry or female leaders, they they could do a much better job to 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 take a more active role in in educating stakeholders about the benefits of um, hiring from from outside of the industry and especially at senior leadership roles, Carl, because. At senior leadership or at sea level, you are hired not only for your um, technical expertise, but it's very much about leadership, which is basically, or especially when it comes to the CEO role. I mean, it's the ultimate um, generalist role. You're not paid to be an expert, but you're paid to to really um, bring people on a journey and and really just um, excite them about the, the the future of the organization. And for that, you do not necessarily have to come from um, from a technical or or operational background. And, and, and really um, challenging organizations, ma- making making them more um, conscious of the of the benefits of, of really hiring someone who has a non more non-traditional uh, sort of background. I think that's where we, um, as search firms, can can really make a difference there, and 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 really just um, there's an awful lot of education that needs to needs to take place throughout the the process, and that's what we are um, trying to to do. Interesting, you know, one of the things that I've always felt is we sometimes, if you look at, like you said, the the picture of IATA or or any organization, many times um, you see both diversity and inclusion. Uh, being promoted, but you may not see it in the picture, and 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 that's 
telling, but it's changing. And I, I'm, you know, I'm an optimist, so I'm the type yep. of person that says, "Yeah, we are, we are making a difference." Um, but it's, it's, it is important to get into that organization and tell them, "Hey, it's really important to uh, at, look at diversity and inclusion." Because you know, one of the things from a practical standpoint, you're leaving half the population behind, uh, and you have yep. all this huge talent pool. And how can you ignore that ginormous talent pool that you have? And for me, I think that's an important argument. But there's many more arguments you can make for why inclusion and diversity is important, aren't there? Yeah, indeed, indeed. I mean, it, the industry itself, um, I mean, it has a very uh, relentless uh, um, operating model. Obviously, you have to be uh, on call, especially as a CEO, um, 24-7. The, the industry, uh, by its very nature, works against uh Working mothers, um, one might argue, because it's it's really difficult to to accommodate the the round the clock um, nature of the um, the demands that that you are faced on a on a day to day basis. So, I think the issue really needs to be tackled effectively at at um, um, at the school level, really starting at, at uh, school aged girls and and really. Um, advising them and, and educating them about really the advantages, disadvantages of a career in in, um, in the sector. I think career counselors um, could and should do a much better job at, at really just uh, painting a more uh, realistic picture of what um, you can do in the industry. It's a lot more, and this is, we're getting back to the stereotypes. It's no longer um, guys become pilots and then um, females become or girls become flight attendants. I mean, most people are just not aware of the myriad of roles that are available in the industry beyond those um, stereotypical roles. I think it's it's um, we're just not doing a good enough job to sit down with them and really un- uh, make them understand that there's it's a very complex industry with a lot of different stakeholders and basically you can be whatever you want to be if yeah, if, um, sure. if you really are committed you know this is absolutely fascinating it's a good point that you brought up and something i've been telling a lot of people is that we don't sometimes we we need to start right from the beginning and i really feel we need more role models and i know it's hard you know it's a chicken and egg theory you need to get more people yeah. in those roles to have those role models but it's happening it's really cool so it does actually put i feel uh maybe on some of the people that are in those positions a little bit of pressure on having to become those role models doesn't it yeah Exactly, exactly. Because how often do you hear people talking about um, ground handling, airport operations, or air traffic control uh, type of roles, basically? How often are they promoted or advertised, especially for girls um, at um, at schools? And, and most people don't really have the access um, to these kind of people. And that's why I think yeah, a good example would be an initiative that was launched by um, Christine Ormiers um, Widner, who uh, was the um, CEO of um, Flybe oh, until yeah. quite recently. I interviewed for her for the, for the, uh, the piece. She launched an is- initiative at Flybe uh, called um, Fly She, which tackles this exactly that basically she can't be what she can't see. So it's 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 all about going into schools, really educating them about all the various roles that um, they could potentially do within within the airline or elsewhere. 
that's excellent i mean hats off to her for doing that i think that's terrific and i love that you know again you're making people aware that they can do this and and that's the real way you're going to get to it from younger people but also not just younger folks um maybe we also need to start in the middle too i mean there's a lot of people who haven't had that role model and they're in their 20s 30s 40s and need to move forward and uh you know let's look at some of the let's look at a situation say where there is a professional, female professional, now what? I mean, what do they do now as far as, um, you know, moving forward? I mean, some of the, what advice would you give to somebody like that right now? I mean, to move forward in their career. So really, when it comes to really the practical tips or the practical advice for for someone who's an aspiring um, female who would like to actively promote themselves and and, and overcome uh, some of the barriers um, that they're facing, I think, uh, women tend to be really good when it comes to negotiating on behalf of their organizations, on behalf of really um, the, the the business that they work for. But they tend to be obviously less aggressive when it comes to negotiating for themselves, basically, and, and um, when it comes to salary, when it comes to promotion. And that's when coaching comes into play and, and just um, um, trying to help them become more proactive um, uh when it comes to managing their own careers. I think it's one thing that was really clear from the conversations that I had uh, with um, female leaders is is the importance of really building your internal and um, external network of advisors and mentors and really take take advantage of um, organizations like IAWA, which is the International Aviation Women's Association, really active not only in the U.S., but also globally, especially here in in Europe. They have many events uh, on a really regular basis, quite um, active there as well. And, and, And it's really it's um it's about seeking out opportunities to to build your network. Another good example would be um, the Royal Aeronautical Society's um, Alta A L T A uh, mentoring scheme, which was set up quite recently, but um, aims to really help um, um, females at any stage of their career to um, advance their careers, basically. So. Another uh, tip or advice would be to really just actively pursue uh, operating and and um, and career diversifying opportunities. Basically, so it's, I'm not just talking about vertical um, opportunities, but it's basically any type that can uh, really help you to get from A to B in terms of seniority, basically. On the, on the ranks. I think uh, men tend to be much better when it comes to positioning themselves, when it comes to really uh, branding themselves, negotiating effectively um, than females. I, at least that's what I've learned from um, uh, talking to leaders within the industry. And maybe through these organizations, uh, you know, we'll see a a push forward with the females because of the fact that they'll they'll get that experience from other females and it really is I'm so glad you mentioned these organizations because I think a lot of people don't realize they're out there and yep. they truly do a wonderful job and you know what better way to understand something than to listen to somebody who's actually done what you want to do and this and they've done it it's terrific absolutely amazing exactly. and and obviously we'll have some some links to that too um, but one of the things too, besides you know reaching out to these organizations, don't 
and I hear this all the time from people, especially you know here in the U.S. It's like, gosh, I, I had no idea these organizations were out there. And once they're introduced, wow, watch out. I mean, it's like it's life changing for them. So you as an individual, you negotiating and, and, you know, getting into that network. I mean, it, it does so much for you when you join those organizations. But how about us, you know, as an industry, you know, what can we do in the aviation and aerospace industry to, to push that needle? Yeah. The, the industry, um, certainly over the past sort of um, three, four, five years, um, um, took a turn from really not having this in the forefront of their uh, of um, senior leadership, uh, senior leaders' mind, to really having it um, as, as one of the key priority for the coming um, years. IATA is particularly active. They've recently joined a very successful initiative. It's called... Um, uh, 25 by um, 2025, which is essentially a pledge between um, IATA and the, and the airlines to ensure that uh, members um, are all prioritizing um, diversity. Basically, the, the scheme sets a um, gender target uh, for their senior leaders and um, other um, underrepresented groups, basically. And that's uh, proving to be incredibly uh, successful um, Airlines are really taking it seriously, and um, there are quite a number of um, signatories to it. Um, in the UK, um, the the Women in Aviation and um, Aerospace Charter commits uh, organisations to support the um, progression of um, of women into um, senior um, roles in the aviation and aerospace sectors. It's it's also very successful, number of signatories and really active when it comes to uh, <clears throat> when it comes to uh, both individual and organizational support. So um, um, that's that's been a success as well. And at a global level, uh, ICAO um, ICAO's Air Transport Gender Diversity or Gender Equality Initiative um, is also uh, a tool that is worth mentioning. It's at state level. It's it's um, trying to engage uh, member states to um, to really actively promote uh, gender equality or gender diversity um, in the industry. Very successful as well, but that's um, not uh, at an organizational level, but at a more global state uh, level, um, essentially trying to commit um, countries to the cause. So there are some good initiatives out there. For the individual um, that's really looking towards moving forward, though, there's a lot of folks out there that are involved in management and administration in aviation and aerospace. And uh, we a lot of times we don't, and this kind of bugs me sometimes, we don't look at those roles very often because it, it doesn't seem as glamorous as some of the other roles like the pilots and stuff like that. But it's, it's absolutely, I think, fascinating. And there are so many roles that are out there within management. And sometimes we don't realize that. So, but there are organizations that are out there that can help with that. And those are, and, and you're a part of one, those are like search firms. So, so yeah. what can they do? What can a certain, like what you do, how can that help an individual? I think that's when coaching, like executive coaching or career coaching um, um, comes to comes into play. You really need to, um, just like you need to uh, educate organizations, you need to really uh, train and educate uh, individuals about really the, um, the opportunities that are um, out there. I think it's, uh, we... 
as search professionals, we should and could play a much more active role when it comes to transition coaching, when it comes to really um, uh, helping individuals from trans- transitioning from a managerial or um, from being a doer uh, sort of position to, to really being a, a leader within an organization. Um, when it comes to onboarding, um, so helping an individual um, get on grips with, with a new role in a new organization or in a new industry um, quicker and more effectively, I think we should play a much more or could play a much uh, more active role um, there as well. And, and really, I think it's it's again the education piece and really making people aware that this is a fascinating industry. This is really a, an industry which where where you can really excel and and um, achieve great things basically. And 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 I think search firm in particular uh, should not see their role as as really solely to put people into seats, but also. Um, act as, as as a guide or as a counselor um, to people to effectively manage their careers well beyond placing individuals at um, whatever organization they are placing them into. Uh, I certainly see my role as as uh, as um, not only the person who feels a requirement, but also someone who can really make a difference to an individual from a candidate's perspective as a as a counselor or as a as a guide in the forest of uh, of uh, the myriad of aviation careers. I think a lot of people are reticent to go to a firm because there's there is many in the U.S. You, all over the world there's these different search firms, but um, really what happens is you kind of partner with that firm, especially um, if you're just getting started, you're wanting to advance your career throughout your career. It really can be helpful because. You know, I, I interact with a lot of these search firms and some of the recruiters and uh, some of the coaches and counselors, and they really become a partner in your life when you're moving throughout your career. And sometimes you'll interact often, but sometimes you yeah. may not interact for 12, 24 months. It, it's really yeah. fascinating. And it's really important that the, the, the dialogue or the, the relationship is not just transaction-based, but really, you develop and forge a meaningful relationship, both with the organization, but also with the um, with the with the candidates. Really, I mean, this is how you develop your network. This is how you um, get repeat work and repeat clients. I think uh, you really need to take pride in what you do, and you really need to show to all parties that you actually care much more than just uh, getting the fee at the end of um, the engagement. Really. Yeah, I I very much agree with that. You know, interestingly, we a lot of folks that do listen to this podcast are wind up in the role of being the person that's actually hiring somebody, interviewing somebody, recruiting out there. As a matter of fact, recently I was able to go to an event and it was just it was so exciting to see people that I hadn't seen for a while. Now they're in that role of recruiting. But sometimes, you know, unless you have a really good coach, sometimes we forget some of the different practices that we should have at our forefront. So what would you tell somebody that's in that, who's in that organization that's involved in that hiring and recruiting as far as, you know, some advice as far as their best practices? I think some of the most important ones or um, the ones that um, surfaced um, through the conversations that I had with uh, with people in the industry, I think 
Number one, you really actively need to train all uh, stakeholders so that they they um, they have the capability to to drive um, inclusive recruitment efforts. Basically, you need to train those who are responsible for for defining the role, for shortlisting, for interviewing, who are making hiring decisions. Um, you need to drive this continuous awareness of um, organizational diversity agenda and basically just um, equip interviewers with the information they need to to communicate the um, diversity strategy and and uh, when it comes to search firms, obviously, you need to identify uh, firms that are credible, that have a track record of building diverse candidate pools and 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 really um, can partner with you and share um, their um, uh, their insights with you. I think the other uh, really important uh, thing that I would point out is is really having a diverse interviewing panel is as absolutely essential. Perhaps introducing blind CVs. Some of the some of the organizations um, do that, um, and really be very selective when it comes to really uh, who is on those um, panels i mean it, it really needs to um needs to be diverse as well i mean it's 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 your your employer brand needs to show to prospective candidates that basically you are really taking this seriously and the dni agenda is indeed um pushed from the um uh, the highest levels basically from c level board level so if we look at this from and obviously from the board level down it does it does permeate the organization that's very important but one thing we do need to do is constantly uh, educate ourselves and challenge ourselves so that we can understand some of these concepts in diversity and inclusion. In the aviation sector, I think our our assumption so far in our conversation has been such that you know we assume that we're not doing a great job. Well, uh, there's an assumption that there's different sectors, and I don't know which those are, maybe you can point them out, uh, that have that, and and they they are doing a good job. So what can we learn from those organizations and those parts of the industry? There are a number of organizations out there, a number of different sectors um, um, that are really getting DNI right. And one of the one of the things that they do really uh, well is is holding leaders accountable for for their um, diversity and inclusion strategy. Basically, they are very effective when it comes to connecting um, diversity and inclusion to business performance. They tend to link um, diversity to the organization's mission strategy and, and business performance goals. Um, they, they do a much better job at, at mentoring and, and sharing diversity success stories. And, and they really embed this topic throughout the organization at all levels, not only at leadership levels, but they really make sure that all employees understand the the business case for for diversity and and and, and embrace it in in everything they do. I mean, in the in, in the industry, just not to not to go too far from the the sector. One good example would be um, Air New Zealand. They they really have very aggressive targets when it comes to um, female membership. They want to get it up to 50% uh, uh, by this year and 20% um, when it comes to Maori and um, Pacific um, employees within their leadership roles. I think that's 2022 when they would like to achieve that. And when it comes to 
employee networks and and really setting up different groups for for um, for the various um, population for various sectors of their population they're very very effective uh, kiwi maori pride networks returnees um, uh, women young professionals disability networks you name it they have it and that's why um, air new zealand is, is one of the better or one of the best examples from the industry um, who are really making um, who are the leading light when it comes to um, to the issue basically so it's a, it's a great example. We need to kind of shine a light on them and what they do. And by the way, I love their airplanes and, and they uh, I love all the different uh, styles that they have on them and the, the graphics, et cetera. So one of the things that I also want to say, and I, I know one thing you've done for me about is really inspired me because I know two presidents uh, of uh, aviation organizations, uh, one an airline, and uh, I've never had them on the show. And I tell you what, uh, you've been you've inspired me so much. I need to get them on the show to talk, and and interview them. And I, I I'm going to shoot off an email and say, hey, listen, can can we talk about this? Because I've actually I've interviewed one, but uh, before she became the president, and she uh, and what she was doing with her aviation organization. And sometimes we we forget about these, and it's like, oh my gosh, you know, this is so important. So uh, I, I appreciate you for that, by the way. Thanks, you know, yeah. <laughs> and um, and we really appreciate you talking about this topic because. Because it's something that I think we we need to move forward with, and you've get, given some incredible advice. But um, but one, just one of the sorry, Kurt, one, yeah. one of the things that I uh, I forgot to mention is really the what what these organizations from other sectors or or um, other uh, industries do really well is they don't hire uh, for cultural fit, which most people interpret as. as who would I most like to have a beer with, basically? And, and they look for sameness and similarity. And where, where it should be about really assessing how individuals with with a diverse range of values, beliefs, and and, and work habits and, and, and leadership styles contribute to to common goals of the of an organization. And and one of the current trends is to is to look for culture ad. I think that's a much better way of looking at it, which is to to help assess each candidate's ability to to thrive in an organization as as it is today, as well as to 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 help the organization grow into what it wants to be in the future. So so that's a much better way of looking at it. A lot of people talk about cultural fit these days, but I think some of uh, some of them just make a mistake about what it really is. That's that's something that I just wanted to highlight as well. Yeah, no, that that's awesome. That some some great great insight and great advice. The one of the things that I think that we need to do as individuals is is see where we can make a change too, and it's yeah. and that's something that I think we forget is that we don't think we can, but you can. Um, just and look at me. I mean, I was sitting there like I know two presidents of aviation organizations, and I haven't had them on the show. Uh, so there, here's my falling right. So in being transparent, so we need to do that. We need to say to ourselves, hey. What can we do different? And I think that's that's really really exciting. Our Paul, yeah. this, this has been great having you on. By the way, this has been awesome. Um, and and just in general, I, you are passionate about aerospace and aviation. You got into aviation law, etc. But not only that, you're a pilot. I mean, you're you're out there uh, able to fly. You fly gliders, yeah. and you sit in the UK. Is that where you fly? 
Well, um, it's quite an expensive hobby here. So I normally do it in, in, in Hungary or in Germany where it's a little bit uh, less expensive. And the weather is, is a little bit better in those times. So basically, it's, uh, it's not something that I do on a very regular basis, but um, it's something that I really enjoy. And, um, and um, it's, it's just a really good recreational um, um, activity. Fantastic when it's just you and the winds, basically. Yeah, yeah. It all comes back to that. And no matter what is primordial type of aspect of aviation, that really, and that love of, of the looking outside the window, a, a beautiful landscape that we all enjoy. And I think a lot of us get into it because of that, the romance of it, et cetera, that drives us to this and realize that everybody can be involved in this industry, no matter who you are, no matter what gender, you know, what matter what race. I mean, you all can share in this wonderful thing that we call aviation and aerospace. And it, it, it is something that we just absolutely love. And we want all of you to be a part of it. Paul, this has been great having you on. I, uh, as far as people wanting to get in touch with you, obviously feedback at aviation careers podcast we will send emails along is there any other uh, website you'd like us to maybe mention on the show before we go well probably the easiest way to get in touch with me uh, is um, on um, linkedin um arpad sakal um you type in my name um it comes up or email which is um my first name which is arpad a-r-p-a-d dot s-z or s-z-a-k-a-l at selensplus.com but maybe I'll just include that in the uh, show notes so that um, people can have a look We'll definitely do that. We'll have at the bottom also a link to the article. Excellent article, by the way. Great research. And we're going to look for many more things in the future. Love to have you back on uh, to find out more about how you're moving uh, the needle on this. And if you're ever over the pond here, uh, come on by. I'll take you up in a little airplane so we can go fly and enjoy the weather. Wow. Thank you. you. We'll take you up on that. (laughs) Well, folks, if if you're listening right now, we talk a lot about diversity and inclusion, but this was a really in-depth conversation I love having our pod on. But I want to do something. I want you to think about what you can do. Just like I said, here I am, the person that's out there advocating all the time, and I have this podcast, and even I myself sometimes find my shortcomings. And you may too. Reflect on yourself. Is there something that maybe you could do to help make this a more diverse and inclusive industry, this aerospace and aviation world? Maybe you're somebody that's listening right now that doesn't know about these organizations we talked about. Check out the show notes. I mean, we'll have links to all those. Don't be afraid to get out there. I will say one of the most inspirational things that I get to see is when someone reaches out to an organization or an individual in that organization and realizes that, hey, if that person can do it, so can I. And here's somebody that I can connect with. I love seeing that. I love to see you do that also. And one thing I want you to do before we go is I want you to take one step today to move forward in your career, but also I want you to take a step today to help somebody else move forward in their career and think about it from the perspective of diversity and inclusion. What can you do to help somebody, maybe from a different background, different gender, et cetera, that could help them move forward in their career? I challenge you with that. And I want you to take that step. I want you to do that today. Well, folks, we'll talk to you next episode. And Safe line. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. 
This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although hosts or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.